Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, friends, and thanks so much for joining us today for the Chosen People Ministries program. It's a a joy to have with me uh, Bobby Walter, who leads our New York region. Bobby, shalom, shalom. Shalom, Mitch. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Well, thank you so much. And we're going to continue our series on the miracles of Jesus. And we're going to look at one of the great miracles in, again, the Gospel of John, where well, the mir- it's just a miraculous little book, yeah. isn't it? Yes, you it know? is. Yeah. yeah. And also, before we jump in, Mitch, just yeah. to kind of remind our audience about what John says about the purpose right. of these miracles. Right. Yeah. So I'll just read again from John 20, verses 30 and 31. He says, Therefore, many other signs Yeshua also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So supernatural events with an evangelistic purpose. Exactly. Right? And um, yeah, that's wonderful. So we're turning to John 9, which is one of the great healing chapters in the Gospel of John in, in the entire New Testament. And once again, we believe that it's really important for us to understand the Jewish backgrounds of the New Testament and to see the life of Jesus and even to see all of Scripture through a Jewish lens. And so let me begin reading, and I'll just kind of do it as Jewish style, where we, again, put the Word of God first and our own comments second. And so our comments are merely designed to help you understand what the Bible is saying. So beginning in verse 1. As he passed by, Jesus, of course, he saw a man blind from birth. So when his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? So Jesus answered, and I love this, you know, there's no, you know, no either ors for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. So if you're suffering with a malady, the simple lesson is that sometimes God allows these things to happen. You could be a Job-like person, or you could be others who have suffered in Scripture for one reason or another. God allows suffering for a greater glory, for a greater purpose. That's not a doctrine we like when we're suffering or when someone we love is suffering, but it is true nonetheless. So verse 4, so we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Okay, there's that urgency mm-hmm. that this world is coming to an end as we know it. And then uh, Jesus uh, continues, verse 5, while I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. He had just proclaimed that in John eight twelve, and so we understand that he is the light of the world and that this world is a dark place. And of course, now he's already beginning to hint that the miracle that's coming up with the blind man is not just a miracle of restoring physical sight, but also restoring spiritual sight, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So now in verse 6, and I've got some questions about this, Bobby, so begin thinking about it, please. When he had said this, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and applied the clay to his eyes, said, go to the pool of Siloam. So he went away and washed, came back seeing. What in the world happened there? I mean, what, 
Yeah, this is. He could have just said, "You're healed." I mean, why? Right. Why this commotion with spit and so on? Yeah, this is bizarre. I'll be honest, and uh, I don't know that I know the answer to this. Well, fortunately, (laughs) I I do think I can take a stab. Okay, go for it. Okay, it's. You know, there are 39 rules for the Sabbath that determine work, and one of those rules, rabbinic rules which were written down and coded later than, than today, but it could have been uh, that these rules were in play, and very well it may have been that they were in play at this point. So one of the rules is no, pl- no plowing, no plowing. Now, when you plow, you, um, you have dust. That is the result of your plowing. And so when he spat on the ground and made clay, he intentionally did something that might raise a little dust hmm. so that it sh- he... In this instance, I think that Jesus was not trying to break the biblical law, but I think Jesus was intentionally trying to break the rabbinic law, right. which was what we call a fence around the law. Right. So he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. You're not supposed to work. So now it's the second count of work. So first is the dust rising. The second is making clay of the spittle. And he applied the clay to his eyes. Well, that's all, that's all work. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting because later on, Mitch, in verse 14, what seems to really be an offense to certain Pharisees is the fact that he made this clay and opened his eyes on the Sabbath Everything's day. Everything's about the Sabbath yeah. in this passage, yeah. absolutely. But they mentioned specifically that it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay. Absolutely. Right? That, and I think that was totally intentional on yeah. Jesus' part. I think Jesus was causing a ruckus and creating a uh, conflict situation. And I think already at this point in the Gospel of John, look back at chapter 7 where Jesus was slipping in and out of the crowd mm-hmm. because they wanted a to uh, kill him, yeah, you know, and I don't know. I think they were confused between making him a king and killing him, you know, and but the tension is rising. You can almost it's almost palpable. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. But look at this discussion. So he went away and washed, came back seeing. So the blind man was given sight. Verse eight. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, "Is not this the one who used to sit and beg?" Others were saying, "This is he." Still, others were saying, "No, but he's like him." Now look at this. The blind man kept saying, I'm the one. <laughs> you know? So you, yeah. it's hysterical. So yeah. you, you have a big debate because probably the blind man took a good look at himself in some kind of second century Jewish mirror and said, Ooh, my hair's not combed, you know? And maybe I need to clean my face. Yeah. And so he was now seeing. And, you know, when you go from the dark to the light, even those of us who, who can uh, see, uh, when, you know, you take off your sunglasses, you're blinded sometimes because the light is just so so bright. So imagine what he went through. So there was this big debate going with the Amha'aretz, the people of the earth, the everyday Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And of course, the leaders are listening to this whole discussion. And uh, the blind man is innocent. He's naive. He says, I'm the one. In other words, guys, what's the big deal? I mean, mm-hmm. doesn't this happen all the time? I've never seen it happen before, but then again, I've never seen anything. So, you know. So then in verse 10, so they were saying to him, how were your eyes open? Now, remember, he was unclean. He wasn't allowed in the synagogue. He right. wasn't allowed in the temple. So he was not exactly a theologian at this point. So they were asking him, how were your eyes open? He said, the man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said, go to Salome, receive sight. And I went away, and I washed, and I received sight. Now, here comes the funniest question in the entire Bible. You ready? This is the absolute funniest question. So in verse 12, they said to him, where is he? Now, why is that funny? 
because the last time he saw him, he didn't see him. He was blind. Right. So how could he know where he went? He didn't know what he looked like, and he didn't know where he went. So they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Why would he know? So then, you know, things increase. So the, mm -hmm. the Pharisees then bring in the parents. And I love verse uh, 19 in the uh, sort of the courtroom situation mm -hmm. uh, with the parents. And they said to him, is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? Now look at the parents' coy response. His parents answered and said, well, we know that this is our son. Well, mazel tov. That's great. You are now admitted that this is your son. Okay? Now, sometimes young children don't want to admit that we're their parents. Okay? <laughs> but usually parents will admit that that's their son or that's their daughter. So his parents said, yes, that's our son. And then they said, so how does he now see? And his parents answered and said, oh, you know, we don't know. We don't really know. You know, do you believe that they really didn't know? I don't believe they really didn't know. Mm -hmm. I think by now the parents had heard the story from the blind man, from the friends around. I mean, if, if my kid was blind and someone healed my kid, you know, I would have followed them around for the rest of my life. Right. You know? Right. They were good Jewish parents, but they were scared. Yes. Yeah, and verse 22 flat out says that. His parents said this because they were afraid of this group of Jewish leaders. Jewish leaders against Jesus right. in the Gospel of John, right? Yeah, for they had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be the Messiah, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Now, Mitch, that was a big deal because to be cast out of the synagogue meant that you were cut off not just from, you know, worship or... Uh, from all the vocational guilds and yeah, exactly. from everything else. It, it had political, economic, right. communal ramifications to be put out. So in verse 23, the parents then said, look, he's had his bar mitzvah, ask him. Right. He's of age. So, they, so, the, so the leaders then called him in again. And uh, I love this part, this, this blind man, now healed, was so bold. Mm -hmm. So they said to him in verse 26, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered and said, I told you already. And you don't listen. You want to hear it again? You don't want to be become his disciples too, do you? <laughs> you know, sticking yeah. the knife yeah, right in yep. and twisting it. So they said, you're his disciple. We're disciples of Moses. Of course, this guy knew nothing about being a disciple. So we know that God spoke to Moses, but for this man, we don't even know where he's from. And so um, the story goes on. And uh, they answered at the end in verse 34, you were born entirely in sins and are you teaching us? Now, this is key based on what you said. So they put him out. Mm -hmm. So this poor blind man was in and out of the synagogue all in the same day. Mm -hmm. He was out his whole life. Right. He gets healed. Can't lie about what happened to him, and he's put out. But here's the most poignant and beautiful part of the story. So Jesus heard they put him out, and he found him. And he said to the son, this now formerly blind man, do you believe in the Son of Man? a messianic title based on Daniel chapter 7. Right. right. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He, he may have recognized the voice, but he had never seen him before. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said to him, and this is beautiful, you have both seen him, and he's the one who's talking to you. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Incredible. And what was his response? The only response you can have. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. That is the essence of a John-like sign in the New Testament that 
God performs a miracle through his son, Yeshua the Messiah. And that miracle leads a person to recognize that God is real and that salvation is available. That's the essence of a miracle. The miracle is Jesus himself. Well, dear friends, we have such an exciting opportunity for you to go deeper, to learn more about the Jewish roots of the faith, to understand the scriptures from a Jewish perspective. We have now begun what we call Chosen People Bible Institute, CPBI. And we're so excited about Chosen People Bible Institute. We have five or six courses already developed, and we have an introductory course that I think you're going to love, and it will really give you a feel for the rest of the courses. And this is a course on the Fall Feasts of Israel. That's New Year's, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkot. And all three of these festivals, of course, point to Jesus the Messiah, something about God's plan and purposes through him. And so you can go to chosenpeople.com slash radio, chosenpeople.com slash radio, and find out about this introductory course on the Fall Feast of Israel and learn more about Chosen People Bible Institute. I'm sure that there will be a number of courses that you will want to take because they will enrich your heart and your soul. Right now, we're going to hear from Shora Jada, a Jewish woman who grew up in Iran. When the Iranian revolution turned her life upside down, she began to ask questions about the meaning of life. And then she began reading the Bible. She saw a theme of redemption and sacrifice, which led her to realize that Jesus is the Messiah, and it's his sacrifice and redemption which allows us to live in peace. Wonderful testimony. Listen carefully. You probably haven't met many Jewish people from Iran, but Chora is an Iranian Jew who really came to faith in her Messiah. As a Jewish kid, uh, growing up in Tehran, I went to uh, uh, a Jewish school. We would go every Monday and Thursday to synagogue. Uh, we would sing songs, and um, they would open the Torah, and uh, we would read from our siddur a little bit. My dad also, he, uh, since we observed all the Jewish holidays at home, would get into all the stories, and especially at Passover, he would uh, very passionately tell us about the story of the Passover and how we got um, saved from Egypt. And he would always emphasize that it was God's hand that brought us out of Egypt. In 1977, I moved to New York to um, continue my studies. Um, and uh, a year later, the revolution happened in Iran and pretty much upset all of our um, lives. Things started to sort of fall apart. The country that I was raised in and um, so much loved um, was going through so much um, uh, changes. Some of my friendships fell apart. Everything was very challenging to me. I started to really look at um, what's the meaning of life? 
understand life, understand myself, what's going on with me, how can I be a more positive person, how can I make a difference. And I ran into somebody who introduced me to um, a landmark forum. They call it um, empowerment classes. They had so many classes, so many seminars. And I can tell you, I continued for about 19, 20 years. There came a time when um, both my parents uh, fell ill, especially my mom, which I never expected. She was 57 and she was diagnosed with cancer. It seemed like all of the things that I had learned so far, um, all the seminars and self-empowerment classes that I had taken only took me uh, so far. When it came to questions about life and death, um, uh, how do I talk to my mom now? How do I, knowing that soon she's gonna be dying and she's not ready for it, how do I talk to her about that? What do I know? What do I know? Where do I know she's heading? Do I know if there's gonna be another life after death? Uh, I felt like God had made me a very capable person. I felt like I he had given me a lot of strength, but it was all working against me. I was not capable, capable of um, handling it on my own. There was no way I could fix my own problems. So I started to uh, read the Torah and the Tanakh, of course. Slowly, slowly, I felt that um, God is speaking to me through the through his book and this is his book he has written this book and he's he's offered it to us to also read it and to ponder on it um and i started to see this uh theme uh continuous theme there was always a sacrifice required for for our sins um, Passover holidays, the Rosh Hashanah holidays, and, and uh, Yom Kippur, that we had to bring um, all these animal sacrifices for God, and all this blood had to be spilled uh, to cover our um, iniquities, to cover all of our shortfalls. Putting together all of the stories of the of the. Hebrew scriptures, and also all the stories that I had heard from my dad, from my grandfather, that one day there's going to be a, a Mashiach coming, it suddenly clicked for me that, yeah, of course, um, Yeshua had to come and, and die for us. S somebody had to come and made, make it right with God for us. He didn't come to create a new religion. He came to fulfill all of the promises that God had given us, that he would send us a savior. I needed the Mashiach, and he was the Mashiach. It all just suddenly made sense after a few years of looking into it, resisting it, um, arguing about it, and uh, and finally, I could really understand it that um, that only the blood of someone holy 
like Yeshua, could cover all of our sins. I remember when I was a kid, we would go to the synagogue. If I needed my prayer to be heard, I would always go to the rabbi to pray for me. Or I would write something on a piece of paper, um, hand it over to someone who was going to Jerusalem to the Wailing Wall and ask them to put that piece of paper inside the wall. We uh, don't have a direct relationship with God. We cannot have that direct relationship with God because of our iniquities. And and um, Yeshua had to come, He had to die for us so that He would make that relationship whole again between us and God. Every day I hand over all my challenges to Him and He takes, he takes them over, He takes it away from me. He takes away the anxiety and anxiousness and He replaces it with uh, His joy and His peace. And to me, that's precious. That cannot be bought with millions of dollars. Shalom, friends. This is Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. There is a growing movement of the Holy Spirit among second-generation young adults, and we have a great ministry to these folks. There are hundreds of them. There's a beautiful commercial center, two and a half times the size of what we have now that'll seat over 150 people. We have space for children's work. We have space for a cafe. And so pray over the center. We'd love to have you come on a chosen people trip. But I know that you'll want to be involved in one way or another to help the gospel go out in power to Israel. To learn more about this new exciting project, visit chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. That's chosenpeople.com slash Tel Aviv Center. Partner with us to bring the love of Yeshua to Israel today. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. To learn more about this weekly program or how you can connect with us today, visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. And when you reach out, we'll send you a 2324 calendar, a Jewish calendar, a messianic calendar, free of charge. What do you think of that, Bobby? Love it. Yeah. And the theme this year is praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6 tells us to pray, commands us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And with this calendar, you'll be able to focus on a dozen different areas, important areas of concern. And because prayer changes things, we'll expect that God will work through your prayers and make wonderful transformations, especially your prayer that Israeli Jewish people will come to faith in Jesus the Messiah. So request your free copy. It's available online at chosenpeople.com slash radio or ask for the calendar today and call 888 the number 2 yeshua y e s h u a is hebrew name that number again 888 293 7482 you can also ask for the praying for the peace of jerusalem calendar when you write to us at chosen people ministries 241 east 51st street in new york new york 10022 and now let's wrap up today's message with the ironic benediction. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha 
Yair panavelecha bichuneka. Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. V'yasem lecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.